Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Been. I can't take myself seriously right now. <laughs> Leave it on. I am sitting in my apartment and I've been watching a reruns of Shit's Creek just because I love that show so much. And I've taken on a Moira. And maybe Caitlin will post it on Twitter when we release this pod. And the reason I'm doing this, people, is so that you get better sound quality. We've heard, so we hear you. We don't have access to a professional studio. Some of our interviews are on Zoom. Some of them are across the room, socially distanced, with safety precautions taken in front of a bevy of microphones. And today it's under blankets. I can't take myself seriously. But anyway, we're going to carry on. And we're going to do this um, because that's the person I am. And I do have a tequila in front of me. Yeah, it's very on brand for you, though. Um, So this is a good time to check in. It is halfway through the bubble version of Roland Garros, the French Open. Your favorite. My favorite. It is your favorite. Maybe I'm starting to reconsider if it's my favorite tournament. What's your favorite tournament? I mean, usually it's the clay swing because it's like getting nice here in New York. It's so fun to watch that red clay happening in my early morning time, which mm-hmm. is European afternoon. It mm-hmm. makes you feel like anything is possible. I like clay court tennis. Um, but I don't know if the French is my favorite slam anymore, just because oh. I think this slam has been sort of... Bleh, Tainted. A little bit. Why? Mm, I don't know that this is the best possible iteration of the French Open, which is very tough to... It's a tough criticism to make just because they have all the odds stacked against them. The field is not complete. Ash Barty's not there, you know, trying to repeat. Serena well, that's because out. That's... Naomi's didn't show up. I mean, I get it. Like, it's not the full force of the field that you, you normally get. Well, Ash, Ash just decided to stay home and win the local golf championships at her club. No big deal. I mean, honestly, I've been asked that question in the last couple of weeks about why she's not going to the French and what do I think about it and all this. Sort of Listen, if there was one player that doesn't give a shit about taking an entire year <laughs> off, seriously, it's Ash Barty. Yeah. I mean, because this is a girl who won almost a million dollars the year that she decided to take three years away from the sport and wasn't even guaranteed that she was going to come back and play. And, uh, you know, look, it was an unbelievable year last year, let's face it. She pretty much surprised the world, becoming world number one, winning the French Open, winning the WTA finals. Um, and then 
you know, she's that type of person that doesn't seek out the spotlight, doesn't care necessarily about the money. I mean, she made gob loads of money last year, probably like $15 million or something. So for us, I mean, she'll be the first person to tell you, I'm a, I'm just a basic Ippy girl, which means she's from Ipswich in Australia. And she's just a pretty basic kid. Like she doesn't really want all the trappings of fame and a bigger, bigger house. She can buy a big house where she lives, trust me, on a golf course. And she's really happy doing that, playing golf, playing, walking her dogs. I mean, having said that, it's pretty amazing that she didn't go back to the tournament that she won last year. But but can I just say, like, if for, for longevity of someone like Ash Barty, it's probably the best thing that's happened to sure, her, to be yeah. honest. Um, Schedule maintenance is, we see, increasingly important for the health and well-being and mental health for a lot of these players. You re- know? Remember when Venus and Serena used to take off, like, tons of time in the year and yeah, like they not go to all sorts of shit for us. Oh, they wouldn't go to Asia. They wouldn't go to Europe sometimes when, you know, the European swing was on at the end of the year and everyone was like, I mean, they don't support the tour, blah, blah, blah. And I was one of the, I was one player that was like, who cares? Like if it's going to mean that they are going to actually keep playing this sport for another 10 years. I mean, if you had said to them back then, oh, well, they don't support the tour and they don't do this and they don't do that. But here they are at 39, you know, 39 years of age, 38 years of age, still playing the tour. Now they're both 39 and 40, still yeah. playing the tour. Yeah, if I'd right. said to them at 25, they'd still be doing that. They'd think I was friggin' nuts. Um, but the fact that we still had them for an extra 10 years is a lot of the reason is because they did take time away from the tour. So I think this will... I think this will actually affect a lot of players in a lot of different ways. I think a lot of players will see this opportunity that, look, the ones that don't seek the spotlight, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? The ones that really don't need the spotlight. They get rejuvenated when they can step back exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. And the ones that don't freak out about not playing for six months or, or possibly a year. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not out here, you know, saying, hey, everybody take six months <laughs> off. But if you really are at a point where you are mentally fried, Take the time. Sure. Step away. You you don't forget how to play. You don't forget how to be great. The thing that stops a lot of people from being really, really, really good is the mental side of tennis. And if it means stepping away to actually get rejuvenated and get the mindset to, to go hard for 10 months of the year, do it. Take the time away. Um, well, I think what's interesting about this pandemic is we're all learning this, whether we're pro athletes or not, which is just, you know, taking time to be outside, be with our families, not be in an office. You know, I would be surprised if office culture came back to quote unquote normal because in the here in the States, it's pretty normal, especially in New York, to brag about how busy you are, how overtaxed you are, how many people need your time. And that's a status symbol. If anything, it becomes sort of a way to humble brag. Um, But the truth is, you know, we're all too busy. We're all too manic. And I think like we have not paid enough attention to, you know, slowing down and, and thinking about things. But going back to Ash Party. Because of today's results, Iga Swiatek from Poland, that extremely fun to watch team beating Simona Halep pretty routinely, um, Ash Barty is going to retain the number one ranking for through the end of the year anyway. So it didn't even matter for the ranking's sake that she didn't uh, show up to defend. Yeah, I mean, having said all that, I don't think she gave to, you know, what? Yeah. I mean, you know, if someone said, oh, Ashley dropped a three or whatever after the French because how it won or she would have been like, oh, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, when's my tea time tomorrow? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like she just doesn't get too worried and too worked up about stuff like that. Uh, but having said that, um, 2020, nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. So let's talk about some stuff that doesn't make sense because we had a very funny and several riffs about some of the sportsmanship 
we've seen thus far at Roland Garros. And it's one of the things that you and I always debate. We haven't always agreed on some of the interpretations or some of the uh, officiating in particular, or maybe some of the code of behavior that some of the players bring to the tournaments. My perspective, obviously, is having been an amateur player and playing in college, some of which I think is applicable. Where cheating happens all the time. Where cheating happens all the time. And I'm happy to tell you a story about how a non-officiated out-of-conference match against a player from the University of Pittsburgh nearly ended in a brawl that no I was name. playing. No name. I don't remember this woman's name, but Damn. I caught one of her serves in the middle of the box and stared her down. And I said, if you want to cheat, I'm going to call this out for the rest of the match. <laughs> and it worked. But it was like, oh, God, do you have to make me do this? Was there no umpire around the No, side? because it was an out-of-conference match. And so umpires were not required by NCAA rules. And so usually they would be provided and I would have appealed. But in this case, I had to do a little, you know, tit for tat. Um, no pun. <laughs> no pun intended. I'm not sure. Is there a pun in there? I don't know. Uh, no, there's not. I just, I heard tit and tat. Sure. Tit and tat. Um, Couldn't help myself. I want to start with one of the most insane tennis matches that has happened, I think, in several years that I've seen, but certainly in Roland Garros, which was the first round match between Sarah Irani and Kiki Bertens. Is it Bertens or Bertens? I think. It's Bertens because you get the Bertens Mertens. But why do you doubles. say Bertens? Because I speak Dutch, obviously. Oh, okay. Haven't you drunkenly heard me speak Dutch? Clearly not. Yeah. Well, I only actually know one word in Dutch, and it's Gezellig. Really? Very... I know a couple. Uh, Dutch. Hotverdomme. What's that mean? It's not good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I should have known. <laughs> or Dankjewel. That's thank you. I do know that. Hasjeblieft. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. There you go. Um, Okay, so... I mean, I'm on a roll. Wow. Oh, boy. Somebody stop her, literally. So, can we talk about the Sarah Rani Kiki Mm -hmm. Bertens match, however you pronounce her last name? Yeah. Um, The last 20 minutes of this are some of the most insane match. I'm not going to say it was a good tennis match, but it was an incredibly captivating tennis match. It ends with Kiki saving several match points, Sarah Rani getting... Time violation after time violation for not being able to control her toss. She had Tourette's of the service toss. Oh, God. Has anybody <laughs> has anybody taken a look at her serve in the last several years? This is not new. It's brutal. Brutal. Yeah. What do you do with a player like that who can't get their toss up and serves an 87 mile and ever? Listen, I'm not going to give her too much shit because I had a little bit of a issue through my career. N- not a lot, but at times. Uh, the yips on the ball toss. The Anna Ivanovich, the um, it's Elena Demetieva. The, you have a pin in your stomach walking up to the I mean, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not fun. I, I used to have, I, before I played my first uh, Wimbledon doubles final, I, no big deal, I um, was having a bit of a mild panic attack about it the night before. I mean, I would go to bed going, oh, my God, please get your toss in the right spot. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And thankfully I was, I was fine the next day. But, yeah, so I, I can understand this to a certain degree. Nowhere near how bad it is for Sarah Rani. I never for one time in my career thought about serving underarm because I couldn't get the ball toss in the right place. The anxiety that she must feel is just out of this world. I don't know why she keeps playing just because of that. But, you know, God love her because she's actually done pretty well over the last couple of months getting a ranking. She had to come through qualities and she made it. And she nearly beat Kiki after having several match points. You didn't want to say her last name. I don't want to say her last name because you're going to make fun of me and you're going to sidetrack me for the incredibly on point thing I want to say, which is a continuation of this. Mm. So picture it. Here's Irani catching, bouncing, not serving the serve, 
time violation after time violation, causing her to lose a serve. Second serve is underhand. By the third set, Kiki is running in for drop shots that she's hitting <laughs> off the second serve. So many times she's doing this that she starts full body cramping. Full body cramping. Have you ever had a full body cramp? I assume you have. I have not had a full body cramp, but I've definitely had a cramp in my calf muscle. Not fun. I can't imagine what a full body cramp feels like because the one in my calf felt like somebody had literally shot me from 20 feet away. Right. Pearson, by the way, I just took a drink of tequila while you were telling me a story because my anxiety started to, to grow. So go on. Just thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Kiki pretends is involuntarily spasming. They're trading breaks because nobody can hold serve because Kiki is spasming with cramps. Irani cannot serve because of her toss. Nobody wants to win this thing. It's eight all. Well, no, they want to win so bad they can't even play. Maybe. One can't get the ball in play and the other one can't run to the ball. Oh, my God. So here we are. Then Sarah Irani starts making fun of Kiki Burton, saying, like, essentially she's acting. Just go with Kiki. Whatever. Long story short, Kiki somehow ends up winning the match, collapses, Irani runs off the court without even tapping rackets, which has now become the customary thing to do instead so of shaking like hands. It, actually. You don't like that. Come on. <laughs> do you know how many times I would rather smash my opponent with a racket than touch them? Yes, but you did. Maybe I know. I mean, it took everything in me. I'm going to ask you more about that. But don't you think there's something unique about tennis that you have to acknowledge your opponent at the net regardless of what's come before it? After what I just watched in the hockey finals, go Tampa Bay Lightning. I just want to throw that in there. Sorry. It's like, <laughs> you know, these guys beat the shit out of each other and they always shake hands after the Yes, game. it is part of the parameters of sport that you acknowledge the opponent and it's nice if you can throw in a kind word. Yep. None of that happened. Irani runs off the court. Kiki pretends collapses onto the bench, weeps into her towel. You hear as she's leaving... Get, going into the player tunnel, Irani screams, Vafanculo! Which means... Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. As the Do you trainer, see how multilingual I am? It's amazing. Um, the trainer is bringing a wheelchair for Kiki to be wheeled off the court. I was like... With the echo of Vafanculo as I you're walking off the court. Swear to God. I mean, I, w- I had a hard time describing this to other people who hadn't seen it. There's so much going on there. Later in press, they both get asked about it. Obviously, have very conflicting accounts. What do you What do you make of this? I mean, people say that Irani's been like acting like this for a while. You know, she got tagged for having uh, a steroid in her pasta that she said was her mother's breast pasta. cancer medicine that fell yeah, into the tortelloni. That's I can I can say without um, really worrying about any uh, defamation lawsuit that I think that's got to be a load of shit. <laughs> I mean, uh, the fact that, yeah, Kiki Burton's is not known to do stuff like that. There's certain players in the locker room that are just like, holy cow, um, here we go again, Yastramska. Yes, um, but, <laughs> but no, Kiki Burton's it's not going to be one of those people. And she wants to win that match. She's not going to pretend that she's like, you know, some, a lot of players do that because they want an excuse for losing. Yeah, that, but if you're winning. But you, you're winning and, right. and, and she's not that t- she doesn't want to lose that match. So she's just struggling. And, and a lot of times cramping does happen because you are ex- also very nervous and, sure. you, and you get anxiety and you're anxious. And I mean, one of the great cramp or body cramps I ever saw was uh, Caroline Wozniacki at the WTA finals in Doha one year. And I, I remember I was standing courtside next to her and I remember her looking literally into my eyes as I was standing on the court, like, and I was like, breathe, because she was just about, she knew she was 
And the thing with cramping is people don't understand. It, it comes and goes. Yeah. Like sometimes you're like, wait, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden you move and then you feel like someone just shot you from 20 feet away again. So no, Kiki is not that type of person. You saw the anguish on her face. I mean, she no. she said it herself. She would have to be, she should quit tennis and start an acting career if that was yeah that, that, if she was somehow able to pull that off as some sort of fictitious that was her comment in in the press i thought it was pretty funny and then Irani's like she's fine i just saw her in the cafe and yeah, it's like course. yeah because cramps once you get treated and you get potassium and you get stuff into your body anyway speaking of the Ostremska, she's Ladies. another one we talked about a little bit diana Ostremska, the young ukrainian the really really hard-hitting player coached priorly by by sasha Bayan before they very acrimoniously seemingly split up just another firing for sasha Oof, he's getting the bat he's getting bounced from uh, all sorts of players boxes huh yes he's getting bounced more than a novak djokovic pre-serve mat situation <laughs> i was wondering that was going and it picked it off yeah, did i pull it off you did mm, thanks well done yeah uh she takes medical timeouts at highly questionable times i responded after the latest incident of this as a sort of obvious momentum killer if you're going to take a medical timeout you have to be like dragged off the court you know what i mean to me it's like a soccer dive where you're like collapsing on the ground just to get a penalty kick and then you pop back up and you know run the length of the field is there some way to police this at all sadly not um we have gone through this through the years over and over and over and over we've had many people that take advantage of this and you know Yastrzemska is one of these players that just has a documentary reputation of when's it going to happen? Like, when am I going to take, the, when is she going to take the time out? Like, when is it going to happen? Obviously, if she's winning, it doesn't happen. If it's, she's losing or it's questioning when she is, you know, not playing at her best or something, you just wonder when's it going to happen. And I mean, look, I want to say to her right now, if every single one of these has been legit, you are the most injury prone teenagers i've ever met in my whole life i mean come on like you got to get your shit together but if it isn't then you've got to get your shit together because it just doesn't look good it doesn't look good for the sport you are you are losing respect left and right on the tour with players and it's a shame because she's a great young talent and i hope that through the years she will start learning that doesn't benefit her and it's not a good look so i mean some players do it to take advantage of the system Unfortunately, there is a lot of players that don't. There's a lot of Kika Burtons. There's a lot of, you know, myself. I, I think I took maybe three or four injury timeouts my entire career. I played 22 years. And one was because I pretty much broke my finger and I had someone come out and, like, literally tape it. Uh, I uh, broke my wrist. Actually, I didn't even call the trainer on that one. I uh, tore my quad. That was at Wimbledon. Like, the, the couple of times that I've called the trainers out, it's been a catastrophe, you know. A dire situation. To the point where the physios are like... Wait, who's calling for the trainer? Renee Stubbs? Oh, my God, get out there. It must be really bad. You know, and Get to the chopper. Get the chopper. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. But, you know, there are certain players that you're just like, oh, my God, this must be really bad. Yeah. Um, remember when Andrea Petkovic, like, our buddy, like, fell at the Australian Open. I was sitting there. I was like, oh, no, this is bad. Mm. You know, so there are players that really need it, that yeah. genuinely really need to be taken care of, whether it be an injury or a twisted ankle or a pulled hamstring. I mean, I watched Anna Bogdan go down at, in Prague running for a ball up 5-1 in the first set. She was wheeled off the court. So there are a lot of players that need medical attention at that time and maybe they can get through a match and maybe they can recover for the next match and we should give them that opportunity to do that. Yeah. But unfortunately, there are little shitheads on the tour, men's and women's, that do it to either have an excuse for mum or dad or the coach that, oh, look, I hurt myself, or they want an excuse for the press 
um, or not. And unfortunately, we're never going to be able to get rid of that because the safety of the players comes first. Well, that seems logical. Let me just ask you a question, though. Like, I personally, when you when we have disagreed about something, it's usually because you're understandably a little bit more sympathetic to the players, whereas I'm really, really, like, to me, growing up with rules and being a good sport was to... Uh, Maybe to a fault. Me too. Taught to me, like, don't ever smash your racket. Don't ever lose your temper on court. If you ever were to disrespect a line jet, anything like that. It was just, I had a coach who would yank me immediately. I did it twice. Never happened again. So for me, like, the Serena thing, you know, we had a slight difference of opinion about calling mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. rules or rules. You know, so I'm, I'm saying, I guess, you know, there's obviously some gray area. But to me, I do wonder, because I think there are people who listen or, or watch a, a Yaskramska medical timeout thing or a Rafa playing the clock thing and they say, well, you know, if it's within the rules or if it's, you know, playing the sport uh, and using all of your advantages, what's so bad about it? What's so bad about a player getting a terrible reputation, which Diana Yastrzemska certainly has, because as you said, she's either the most injury prone team you've ever seen or needs to get it together. But what's the downside? Like what's the consequence she could face for not being a good sport? What's the downside for them? Nothing other than losing the reputation of the players yeah. and people talking about them behind their backs. And I mean, there are just some players that didn't care. They used the, the rules to benefit themselves yeah. and they didn't care who they Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. taking advantage of or what it was doing to their reputation they didn't care and so for me I could never do that because my reputation I, I, I always wanted to look at myself in the mirror in 20 years time and go listen I may have lost certain matches I could have maybe yeah, used but, you... but I don't care question so this works it seems like we're picking on the women don't worry we'll get to the men um another one was the laura siegmund double bounce down one five set point to kiki mladenovich the other kiki whose name i do have more of a handle on 
obvious yeah, how double can you bangs. say Mladenovic and not Burton's? But anyway, because I think it's pretends. I think it's okay. Dutch. I think it's a Dutch pronunciation. Okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong, and we're going to get people tweeting us after this. Please and say, tell us, Caitlin. You of course people. are the smartest person in the room. Goodbye. It's oftentimes that I'm proven wrong about these things, um, especially when it comes to my overconfidence in pronunciations. Truly. So. Is that a call you make on yourself? To me, growing up, always. Because the Empire doesn't always catch a double bounce. There's no VAR like they have in soccer. Video review isn't necessarily part of the culture of calling that call. In this case, Ava Atsaraki Moore, who's great and one of like the legendary umpires, just didn't happen to see it. Maybe the body was blocking it. But upon review, Laura Siegmund very clearly did not make that drop shot. I argue... If you're a player, there's no way you don't know. You always know, oh. and you should always call it on yourself. There's only one time that you may not know, and that's if you extend your arm out so far and your head is not looking at the ball at all, right? So you the or, or a dive. I mean, I've done that, right, where I've dove for a ball. Is it dove or dived? Dive? Dove? Do I actually you? don't know. Oh, God. That's oh, a miracle. Wait, let's just keep going. Anyway. Um, where I, I'm going to say dove because it just sounds better. It where does. I dove for a ball and you, you're not quite sure. Did you get under it? Did did the did it hit the ground and then go over the net? Right. If you're not looking, right? If you're not looking. But when that double bounce happened with Siegman, oh, you know that's a double bounce. You she know did. for a fact that that's a double bounce because it hits your racket on the strings. Yeah. Okay, when it hits the strings. You know it's a right. double bounce. Okay? Otherwise, it would hit the lip of the racket so, at the very bottom. Yeah. So, Ava Azdorati to me is the best umpire in the game. I'm shocked that she missed it. To be quite honest with you, um, because it wasn't that tough to see. I'm really surprised she missed it. Um, but having said that, there is no way I take that point. No way I take that point. The only way, as, I, mean, as I, I can't even believe I'm going to say would, this. The would. only way I would take that point is if I saw somebody, if I saw my opponent do the exact same thing to me two, two games earlier, uh-huh. maybe, and I said, oh, you know what, you just did it to me, fuck you. But that is probably the only way that I would do that, just for retribution of like, you didn't call it on yourself, she missed it, so you know what, now we're square. Yeah. I would still probably find a hard time doing that because I was the type of person that would get so annoyed at the umpire for missing the call. I'd be like... They, maybe they called like 30, 40 or, or juice in that circumstance, juice. And I'd be like, no, you fucking idiot. You missed the call. Yeah. I'd be annoyed at the yeah. umpire because I just, well, yeah. you know, listen, I had my fair share of yelling at umpire. So it was more about me wanting to prove them wrong. Right. Right. So I'd be like, you missed the call, you idiot. Yeah. Set. You know, and I'd walk to my chair. And another reason is, you know that there are 16 cameras oh, a thing. on you at that point. Which so is... once again, it comes down to locker room reputation. Yeah. Everybody knows for the rest of Laura Siegerman's life, she's still in the tournament, yep. that she cheated and won that first set. Now, I'm not saying she would have won the match or lost the match. But I know for a fact, she should have been down one set to love. See, Kiki Bladenovich winning that first set 6-1... Hard to imagine she loses that match. Well, I mean, we don't. She know. did lose a match six one five one up at the US Open. It's true. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And she did have several other set points in that first set. Yeah, she had but six I set points. Can relate to that so hard. Something going awry, your opponent doing something, and just throwing you completely off your game. Which I guess you know, if you're a professional, that shouldn't happen. But yeah, Laura Siegman, like that's a stolen that's, point you received. Yeah, that's Come bullshit. On. I mean, it's bullshit. Yeah, and and like I said, I mean, you do you do wonder what if. Three games from now, the umpire misses the same call. I get it, all of that sort of stuff. But for me, as a player, 
you walk to the chair and you sit down and you accept the fact that you lost the first set. Because she lost the first set. She lost the first set. You mentioned to me that there was a very similar instance that happened in your career with Yelena Dokic. Yeah. Tell me what happened. Dokic. On the same court. Uh, No, really? French Open? Yeah, French Open, center court, semifinal, the women's doubles. It was 2-1 in the first set. We were up a break, Lisa Raymond and myself. And it was literally 15 all. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. I hit... Conchita Martinez hit a return and I had a high forehand volley, not one that I would normally just smack at my opponent's feet, point over, and because I poached. And instead I hit it a little bit late, so I hit it a bit fat. And I knew as soon as I hit it, it was actually going to hit Yelena. Like, because I always aim at my opponent's feet, just for those people out there. That's a good place to aim sure. and play when you're poaching. And I hit it a bit late and I knew straight away it was going to hit her. And when I hit it, she started turning her back because she knew, oh boy, this is coming right at me. Um, and when I hit it, it actually, I hit it fat and higher than I expected and it hit her in the back and it ricocheted off and it went out. Hmm. And the umpire said, love 15, oh, 15, 30, or maybe it was the first point, love 15. And I said, I looked at him and I said, no, that the ball hit her in the back and went out. And he said, I didn't see it, which I'm not going to give him too much shit because the angle may have looked a little yeah. bit weird. I mean, same thing with like Ava Moore. Like, Lorsen's body could have been in the way it, of her visual it, field. It happens, right? But she could have and so should have called I it I said to her, no, no, the ball hit her. And he said, well, I missed it. And then I said, Yelena. And keep in mind, Yelena and I at that point were really, we were, I wouldn't say we were great friends, but we were friends. Um, and I was somebody who always stick, stuck up for her. Just read her book and you'll figure out why. Yeah, and I hit it and it went out. And she turned around to me. She would not look at me. Mm-hmm. And she turned around to me. And I said, Yelena, the ball hit you. You need to tell him. And she looked at me and she waved her finger in my face and said, don't talk to me. Talk to him. Ooh. And I was like, oh, you little fuck. I, I couldn't believe it because it was basically just she knew that he missed the call. Mm-hmm. She was not going to call it on herself. Maybe she was worried about getting beat by her dad after the match. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, all these she sort of things. had lots of other things going on. But I was so angry after that. It actually cost me the match because Lisa and I should have won that match. And it's a story I told on the air at ESPN where I tried to hit an opponent with a, a set point yeah. at the French Open. And Lisa and I, if I just hit a regular ball that I would have... Oh, it was set point? No, that, that point was early in the second set. But on match point, on set point of the first set, Lisa and I were winning comfortably at that point. I tried to... I had an over... Is sort of semi-high ball, and I tried. That was an overhead, and I tried to hit Elena with it. That was my own goal. My own goal, only goal, was to hit her. And of course, I had the whole line in my head. I was like, "Did that hit you? Did that one hit you?" Okay. Right? It was all set in my mind. And yep. instead of hitting her, I actually missed the overhead. I shanked it and hit it out. I almost hit Conchita in the head, which Conchita was a really good friend of mine and still is. And uh, I missed it. We lost the game, and then we ended up losing the set. Yep. See, and but it's so it stuck in your head, this was, whole thing. Was, you did lose the set because of you were going for blood because you felt like you needed to punish her. And who says tennis isn't mental? It is 99% mental. But I do think, like, if you are... It was the biggest lesson amateur, I learned on a tennis court. Don't let your rage blind your strategic yeah. thinking. I only had one thought. I, did, I didn't... My thought wasn't, yeah, we're going to win this set. Like, let's put it to bed and win this match and be in the final. It was, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to fucking hit you and I'm going to teach you a lesson. No, yes. I taught myself a lesson, which I guess I did teach someone a lesson. just wasn't the right person. It was yourself. <laughs> Let's talk about the men a little bit. A couple of, since this episode is all about sportsmanship, I'm calling it sportsmanship awards. Um, some notable jawing at umpires happening from Jack Sock. 
Jack Sock, man. I mean, I guess he, I just, I'm glad he's back in main draws. Just people know I just took another drink after that story. You just needed to take it easy? It's the only grandson I never won. <laughs> you have some great commemorative towels, though. Yeah, I can say having... Take them. Partaken out. Just fuck them. Just, just kidding. Just, I'll burn them all. Uh, Jack Sock is back. He's got lots to say to umpires all the time about... Uh, Basically, the Hawkeye, or lack thereof, on clay is a real contentious thing. Everyone says Hawkeye is not very accurate on clay, and so don't yearn for this technology that can't actually call balls on clay. Do you have an opinion about that? What do you think my opinion is? If you listen to anything that came out of my mouth at the US Open, <laughs> you know exactly what I think of this. I mean, get Hawkeye on every single court. Yeah. And here's the reason, Caitlin. Because on clay, as you know, when you clean the lines, sometimes the line doesn't get cleaned perfectly. A little bit of the, the little bit of the uh, brush makes a little bit of the line not look so. Is there clay there? Is there not? And then when you get a bounce that's really close to the line, is it touching the line? Is it not touching the line? Well, I'm not sure because that's the, the the brush line. You know, there's too much ambiguity in that in yeah. itself. And <clears throat> I can tell you. You can there there can be ball marks where you can get five players come over and be like, What do you think? Yeah, it's and different. two of them will say it's in yeah, yeah, yeah. and three of them will say it's No, you're it's right. Ball marks seem so terribly that is accurate. That is in my opinion too ambiguous and it is too subject to a human mistake, error, whatever you want. Now there's going to be arguments to that because the player's going to be like, but look, but see this, but what about that, but the angle, the blah, blah. And it's happened to me so many times that I've had so many arguments with umpires. And, you know, the ball can hit the clay and the clay can, you know, push up a bit of clay against the line, so therefore it looks like it's out, but it really... Anyway, the, my point is you can't argue with the fucking machine, okay? So if you are a player that's ranked 150 in the world or number one in the world, that machine is calling the same yeah, that's the argument okay. for it, right? It's calibrated the same way. So if there's yes. a margin for error, the same margin for error no is arguments. for everybody. And, yeah. no, and listen, there there's, has been a couple of arguments where players like, I remember John Isner last year at Wimbledon was like, there's no way that ball's in or out or whatever it was. And everyone was like, we agree with you. Mm. And I've had, actually had it to me, happened to me in a mixed doubles match Meaning at Wimbledon. Meaning like all the humans agree, but the machine is saying something else? Is that the example yes. that you were referring to? Literally, I, 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 I'll never forget, uh, I was playing mixed doubles, it was serve hit, it was a double fault, I could see it right off the racket, oh, it's going to be a double, the angle of the ball hit, linesman calls it out, umpire doesn't say a word, I turn around, walk back, My one of the opponent, one of the opponents, not both, said, oh, challenge. And, and then the, the machine said it was in. I was like, there's no way that ball. I was standing on the line. Yeah. I can see that ball so better than anyone. Error, but there is margin for error. Yeah. But it's going to be the same for everybody. And that's, that's a good point. the point. Yeah. No one needs to have this ambiguous bullshit on tennis anymore when we have the technology. Just use it. And we wouldn't have lines people as Novak Djokovic seems to want. The amount of fights I had on Twitter during the US Open about people like, you don't care about the linesmen. I'm like, listen, I'm sorry for the linesmen, they're going to lose their jobs like at the Grand Slams and the big tournaments. But I'm sorry, when it comes to the difference between a player being in the possible in second round of a tournament that could change their careers and their lives, I don't give a shit about the linesmen at that point. I care about, let's get the, these these match, These players are working their asses off to get it right. And I saw so many instances at the US Open where you were leaving it up to the players on match on the main courts to get the call right on the biggest of circumstances. For example, just one that popped into my head, Jen Brady, court semifinals of the US Open, break point, hits a ball, back of the line, doesn't query it. That's a whole different story. Why she yeah, do sure. that? Yeah, but yeah. 
That ball was in. Right. It was break point. She's yeah. one of the best servers in the game. She'd just come back from being yeah, down right. by 40 in the previous service game. What's to say she couldn't have gotten out of that service game? But instead, she didn't even query it, and the game was over, and then the match was over. Oh, I mean, totally right. seriously? Yeah. We've got the technology telling us that ball is in, and you're saying because she didn't challenge, we're not going to get it right? It's just... It's, yeah, no, I remember vividly the Lina Agavredvanska semifinal at Wimbledon. Remember that? Nice. Yeah. Not called out. She doubles. Yeah. Set over. Yeah. That's the match. Yeah. Lina could have been in a final, probably would have won it and had three. And she has said to, uh, she has said to me, it's the yeah. biggest mistake of her career was not challenging that ball. Right. And, and she, the reason she didn't want to do it. shouldn't have to. The reason she didn't want to do it is because she didn't want to interrupt her second serve. And any player would understand that yeah. full process. Because, like, if I challenge and then it's out, then I've got to, like, wait 30 seconds to, and, go, you know, go away from my normal cadence of serving my second serve and I still have a second serve and it's still set point. No, it was set. Yeah. It was over. Over. Yeah, but you're right. It's impossible to wait for a call in between you serves. You cannot it's leave it up hard. to players to make those decisions on balls that are that close to the line to make yeah. a split-second decision when we already have the technology. Well, that's the thing. One of the things that's really frustrating about a lot of sports, and I think I, I watch a lot of baseball, and I... You do? I really like baseball. I married a Yankees fan, so we watch a lot of baseball in our house. And also, I was a Montreal Expos fan up until we didn't have a team anymore, which, don't get me started, we should have, because it should have won the 96. They should have gone to the World Series. They said they were a player strike. It ruined the team. Was that Moisa Salute? Yes. Exactly. Andres Galarraga. We had a great team that year. Raul Ibanez. Is he the one that was Cubs that had that 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 catch out in the outfield and it didn't get and the the Bartman caught it? Oh so God, he, is that right? Yeah, Moises and they Salou. like took the catch away because it was yeah. like it should have been interference. Yeah, but it was. Yeah, poor old Steve anyway, Bartman. What, what a I, great documentary, by the way. What I hate about baseball, and I love baseball, but what I hate about baseball is the strike zone is completely arbitrary. Yeah. And the the ump is making up to players how well you jaw the umpire. All of that affects the calls, right? There yeah. should be no room for interpretation. If the viewers at home have a more accurate view on whether a ball is a strike or a ball, or whether a tennis ball is in or out, then the players playing on the court, that is a failing. Yep. So I don't have anything against lines people, nor do I feel no, particularly I don't, passionate about listen, this. I, and you the know, most what? accurate calls, if you can tell at home that something is happening and it's more right than what's happening on the court or the baseball field, as it were, that's a problem. It's like... You know, I don't want to take. I'm sorry for all the linesmen out there. I know that you know some. It's an unpaid job. I think I get it all. I'm really sorry. We do have to have linesmen to learn, like the, because all the gold badge umpires have come through being linesmen. Mm -hmm. So we need that system to be able to get linesmen to become umpires. But there has to be a better way. And as far as I'm concerned, at the big tournaments, get it right. Mm -hmm. Period. Let's talk about something else involving sportsmanship, which doesn't have anything to do with lines or umpires or calls, but rather coaching from the stands. In one player's case, specifically, the ongoing dialogue that Stefanos Tsitsipas, who I love, has with his father, which clearly seems well beyond what is considered acceptable from interaction from a coach to a player standpoint. Other players complain about it. If anybody's watched any of his matches this year at the French Open, you will. It's unmistakable because now there's no crowds. So all you hear is a squeaking of their feet or in his matches, squeaking of feet and his dad. Yeah. It's nuts. 
Yeah, it is nuts. Well, I do know, I, I have heard from a reliable source that a lot of the, some of the stuff out of his mouth is, is not super positive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's necessarily a positive I or, think a, it's, or a negative thing. I actually thing. think it hurts him. It oh, doesn't I, help. Well, I was going to play devil's advocate there by saying I don't know if it's a positive or negative because he does win a lot of matches. But in my opinion, it is without question a negative for him. I think uh, a little bit of encouragement every now and again, maybe a little bit of something here and there. We all do it. I coach from the sideline. I mean, every any coach that says they don't coach is full of shit. I actually think... One of probably the only people that doesn't coach at all from the stands is literally Patrick Moritaglu. That's hilarious. Which is hilarious. (laughs) And like Serena barely looks at him for that reason. Uh, So I think it's hilarious that really this rule has been scrutinized so much since what happened to her. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's clear she didn't even see him during that. Oh, no, she Well, that's not the interpretation of the rule is if you're coaching and seeing coaching, as a matter of the players looking at Listen, I'm a rules are rules person, but But, in in devil's advocate for that match, he wasn't, she wasn't looking at him. Yeah, so just have a little bit of common sense on that one, but don't even get me started on that one. But but yeah, look, the bottom line is you should allow coaching from the stands um, because as a coach, I can tell you, you can only tell your players so much. Yeah. Because if you tell them too much, it's paralysis by analysis. And they're just like, shut the fuck up. Like, let me think for myself. Once in a blue moon, you want to tell them, maybe watch the serve out wide. Uh, keep hitting that backhand cross court. Okay, that's the way to play. That's the perfect point. Keep that going. Same, same, same. Or, you know, there are little things that you can say to a player that kind of makes sense to them where it's not overloading them. Mm-hmm. Um, same pattern. Great job. Uh, keep hitting that serve, you know, oh, that's a good serve. Keep that one going. They're all little just nudges in the right direction. Nudges in the right direction. But like constant coaching like he does, that that is not helpful to him in tough moments. Clearly not. No, I mean, the Hamburg final that he lost was largely the dad left. He screamed at the dad to leave. The dad comes back. He starts losing again. It's like, I don't speak Greek, but whatever this dude is telling is – Stephanos is not helpful. And also it brings up one of my like least favorite tropes, which is the parent coach. Mm. Ah. If well, you're a professional athlete at a certain point, don't you just want to say like, Hey, thanks. Usually dad, but also potentially mom. Thank you so much for getting me here. I hope you also enjoy the fruits of me being a successful athlete, which means I've now bought you a house and you're partaking of the upside of this, but now it's time for me to go my own way and get a professional coach. When it's not healthy, it's pretty obvious. And I think that, you know, I think that there is a point where every one of these players needs to find a professional coach to help them through these moments. But look, there's also been some great player-coach relationships. I think um, Caroline Wozniacki, you know, has stated on many times that she didn't think that anyone could sort of understand her like her dad. And obviously they had a great relationship and she did incredibly well throughout her career. Um, so there are there are certainly some coach player parent relationships that have done pretty well um but at some point yeah i do think it's much healthier for everybody that they step away and they get a they get somebody that's not their parent because it it becomes it starts to affect their relationships and it starts to affect in my opinion and more than anything i think that it really stops the player becoming socially more um just more uh mature sure you know and yeah. some some of them i mean 
I think Marianne Bartoli, like, is a perfect example. Look, she did great with her dad. She won Wimbledon. Like, but I think it took her a long time once she was finished playing to finally get socially sort of... Like, find her own footing as an adult. Exactly. And things yeah. like that because, you know, your father's around her all the time. He was around her all the time. And I, there's plenty like that that I don't want to name over and over and over because... Well, some yeah. of them are really well known. Some of them have yeah. named after them. And exactly. other ones, like... One of them that I was really happy to see wasn't around was Caroline Garcia. I don't think it's an accident that she's had a pretty good European clay swing. Well, he was back at the French, though. So Was he? Mm, but I she lost I, today. So. She did lose today. But she had a very good tournament, and I didn't see him in New York either. I do think that that would be – that's a perfect example of somebody that I think if she had a really great – I think she always had great results at Fed Cup, and one of the reasons was that she was – She had a different coach. She, well, she had Amelie Maresma in the corner. Yeah, totally. So for me, I think that the, that's a good example of somebody who could – benefit by having someone just a little bit more I don't want to say wiser just a little bit more understanding of what it takes to be a great player well I also think having sat through a couple of Caroline Garcia matches with her agent who I've become friendly with she looks over at the dad after every point win or lose and you have to start wondering she's got top five grand strokes a kill to coach her she's she's a great talent serve is great Mm. hands are amazing she's an accomplished doubles player I mean the whole game she's she's just She's got, yeah, like you can't deny the fact that her game is just so spectacular. She's very uptight. But I I think think that's why. I think that's why she's so uptight. I think she's used to being scrutinized after every single point, looking to her father for a Well, I know because I've also been around her on the practice court quite a bit because I've had my players that that I've coached that have practiced with her and he's nonstop. Yeah. Like every single point he's nonstop. And, um, you know, look, he's gotten her to where she's gotten, which is, you know, Formerly in the top ten in the world, no, it's remarkable. Stage, yeah. But it's time to let go and let somebody take those rights. Anyway, all right. Let's end by giving out some sportsmanship awards. Oh, okay. Now and then, men's side, women's side. We can go into wheelchair. We can go into legends. We can go into doubles, specialists, Ooh. anything you want. Juniors, best sports, worst sports. We can call out specifics. I want to give a shout out to Novak Djokovic, who a lot of stuff aside is always good about conceding points. We were talking about conceding points. Yeah. He's really good about that. If a call is missed, he'll give it to his opponent. I yeah. think that's really, really excellent. Yeah. Um, and I think it speaks well of his respect, at least for other players. Oh, the, listen, no, when it comes to things like that on the tennis court, there's no doubt that Novak is up top of the list. Like he, um, all the, I think the great champions are very aware of that. They also know that they're going to win every fucking match. So they're <laughs> they like, here, here, here you go, buddy. Here's your one point. <laughs> that was it. How do you feel now? Here you go. Here you go. You aced me. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm joking, but well, kind of. Yeah. But um, but no, no, he's always been great like that. Uh, there's no question. Um, worst on the men's side? God, uh, I don't even know. Um, you know, there's been some classic situations of double bounces or the old hit the hair on match point at the US Open. Was it? Uh, was it Ken Flack that that happened? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I'm going way back. Yeah. I remember um, um, Daniel Nesto, I think, hit the net on a follow-through and a volley, and he it was like a match point. It was like a huge point at the US Open. Oh, no. I think he ended up losing the point, losing the match or something. Um, the women's side, best sport. Well, personally, I have to talk about Sam Stozer last year in um, Guangzhou when a ball hit her on the foot. And it was going out and it went and it hit her on the foot. And she, I mean, you, that's still not her point, but the way she handled it, she just yeah. kind of walked to the other. It was a three hour match. It was six five in the third. She hit her opponent, um, Para, hit a ball that was going out and it hit Sam in the foot. And she just like walked to the side, like no big deal. I'm like, oh my God, I'd kill myself if that happened to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she thankfully ended up winning the match. But like 
Sam's always been such a great sport. No, she's a great sport. Great sport. Think... You know, Ash Barty, like all the Aussies. Let's the Aussie, Well, I mean, let's talk about Nick. Do we say Nick is a bad sport or a good sport? I think Nick gives respect. No, I think Nick's a great sport when it comes to like giving points and things like that. Like anything like that, he would rather give the point away. Yeah. than that's where he his locker room reputation is good with the guys, which is why the guys, a lot of the guys, like him. Yeah, um, Andy Murray certainly his friendship really. Yeah, speaks, I, think, I mean, for Nick. I, I I don't know. Bad. I mean, Liesl Huber takes the cake on probably a couple of things. She had a double <laughs> bounce at the Australian Open. Speaking of not calling it on yourself, like yeah. that was all time against Viznina and Mirza. I mean, people in the locker room are losing their minds. I mean, I mean thank, that's the one that traveled around the internet thank, after the Sigmund Mladenovic, that classic Liesl Huber double bounce. Oh, it was a total and double And Safarova just slams the ball down. Sonia Mirza's like losing her mind. Oh, I've heard stories about her also at the French Open where a ball was out and she like totally showed a different mark and, you know, it was a huge point. Uh, I mean, there, she will nev- definitely not go down as a good sport. There's no question about that. Like, just the bullshit she does. Uh, you know, one, one player that has to be a little bit careful of, about what I've seen over the last little year, and I really like her as a player, and I think she's got such a big, bright fruit future, is um, uh, Katie McNally. Like, in mm-hmm. doubles, she stands in the service line, like in the middle of the court. And Are you allowed like- to do that? Can There's, you put your body in the recipient? You, as long as you don't move when the player goes to serve, but then she moves away. But oh, she's still doing those junior things. Do and, you know, that does, yeah, junior Katie, things. if you're listening, you don't need to do that stuff. You're a great player. You're a very, very good doubles player. Like, you're going to win tournaments and grand slams in doubles, especially with Coco, the way, the way you are as a team. You don't need to do that stuff. And and, and it's just, it's bullshit. She actually, uh, Nicole Malakar, uh, hit her with a serve this year or I don't know if it hit her or she went for her on a serve during the Cincinnati tournament so went for her because she was like yeah, making you're gonna point. be in the back yeah. you know that sort of stuff is just that's that's stuff that you do in juniors which you shouldn't do in juniors but yeah you got to cut that stuff out that's just stuff that is not okay and yeah. you know in your your reputation is going to precede you and it's not good. It's not good. I, I want to end this by saying, as somebody who won way more sportsmanship awards than I won trophies of tournaments. Oh, good for you, Ken. Well, I mean, it's something. But I do think, like, I enjoy playing tennis, and I thankfully play with a bunch of people who are, like me, 20 years past their prime at best, and their prime wasn't even that good. But everybody's playing for the same reason, which is like, hey, I've just stolen an hour out of my day. I'm somewhere beautiful. I'm on the river yesterday playing at the 96th Street Clay Courts. And, like, why would I spend the time using it to, like, lose my mind and cheat somebody? You know what I mean? Like, that's sort of for me. Well, I would hope that the people out there that listen to our podcast that play casual tennis don't cheat ever. Because if you do, you really need to go to a psychologist. (laughs) Yeah. If you're cheating and a million dollars is not on the line, look yourself in the mirror. You can understand how players will cheat if it's going to affect the rest of their lives. I can see that to a certain degree. You know, we've all uh, sort of had those moments. But but all the pros out there, all the three that listen to our podcast, <laughs> a few more, um, don't cheat. Like, it's just your reputation that you, it will follow you everywhere. I mean, look at me. I'm still talking about players that I played against that have been retired for a number of years. And one of the things <laughs> that I remember about them is how much they cheated. Uh, so don't be that person. Okay? Okay. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.